Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. National Team on WNRI AM 1380 and streaming live on the internet at WNRI.com. Brought to you by Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now, Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome to Revolution Recap. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. reviewing the latest action in the Wingland Revolution, Major League Soccer, and U.S. Men's National Team. Of course, last night at Gillette Stadium, a big triple header, starting off with a Canada match against Guatemala, with Canada winning 3 to nothing, uh, and then followed up by the U.S. with a 2-1 victory over Panama, and then the Revs with a, kind of a disappointing 3-3 draw against the Columbus crew. A little later on the show, we'll have Wells Thompson, our Revolution midfielder who got the start last night uh, in Steve Ralston's absence. And we'll also have Mark Connolly from uh, ESPN SoccerNet, as well as MLSNet.com, USSoccerPlayers.com, right, for several different sites. Uh, but uh, to start off, we'll talk about the Revs game. Uh, Revs had a 3-1 to lead at one point, just before halftime, 3-1. to uh, Then they got the crew got a key goal, Guillermo Berescoloto with the goal uh, just before halftime to bring it 3-2. And then in the 85th minute, uh, Columbus tied it up 3-3. So very disappointing for the Revs. Yeah, I mean, I thought they had made a great comeback after going down the early goal to make it 1-0. Uh, I thought Chrisman and uh, Noonan played really well together to get it back to 3-1. And then they had that key goal given up. Uh, he was wide open, left on the back post, and uh, made it 3-2. And then they got the late equalizer, as you said. I don't think I actually mentioned it yet, but I'm in studio here with uh, Dave Ackman. Uh, and once again, the the crew's goal, first goal, was scored by Robbie Rogers, but his first goal, I believe he's only 18 or 19, a uh, recent signing for the Columbus crew. And then Adam Crispin with the uh, first goal for the Revolution to tie it up. Pat Noonan with his first goal of the season, that was a good sign for the Revs. And then Pat Noonan fed Crispin for uh, his second goal of the night, third goal of the season. Uh, so the Revs' offense was kind of playing, was actually playing pretty well considering uh, Taylor Twelman's absence. Crispin had another shot uh, in the 52nd minute that looked like it was headed for the uh, upper right corner of the net that... Will Hesmer made an amazing save on to keep the score uh, to keep the score down and keep the Revs from going ahead four to two at that point. And then Chrisman had another header uh, late in the game that hit off the crossbar. So the Revs were unlucky not to get more goals, and certainly the offense cannot be blamed for uh, this result. No, definitely. I mean, and even Noonan's goal that was called off after he had tucked it in off the uh, keeper mishandling it, which uh, was waved off. That was another good chance that they had there to go up four two. Also, so I mean, I thought the offense had a really good game. But of course, on the flip side of things, uh, the crew did have a, a, a goal themselves that was ruled off. Uh, it seemed to have crossed the goal line. I believe it was Scalotta with the cross. And um, Gonzalez, who uh, touched it in, it, uh, Reese caught it. It was very questionable whether or not it crossed the goal line. The crew thought it crossed the goal line, certainly. Uh, that, that was certainly a questionable call on that side. Yeah, I mean, the, the linesmen seemed pretty adamant that it didn't cross it. But, I mean, that was really a close call. Seeing it up on the big board, I really couldn't tell from where I was sitting. It's but certainly a hard call for the linesmen to make from that kind of distance. Sure, definitely. And I think that's one of the reasons why you always hear these people complaining about having some goal line technology. And that's another example for it. And that is something that they've tested out, uh, I believe, at the Youth World Youth Championship a few years ago. Uh, I don't know. We haven't heard anything about it since then. I think it worked. Uh, there, people talk about human error of the game. When it comes to something like that, I don't understand, you know, 
why you wouldn't want a goal that was a legit goal not to count. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not like you're asking people to go back and replay every out of bounds or something. I mean, that's a pretty key play in any match, and to have that kind of technology just sitting there not being used, you know, you kind of wonder why they're not making that step forward. And we did mention uh, Scalotto for uh, Columbus Crew. We talked about him uh, when we last had the show two weeks ago uh, and his impact on the crew uh, since coming from Boca Juniors. Uh, he, he played an excellent game for them. And also from last night came the news that Scalotto actually uh, had the opportunity to sign for the Revs. The Revs actually had been looking at him and chose not to sign him. So uh, they kind of paid for it last night with the goal and assist that he provided. Yeah, definitely. I thought he had a great game, uh, not just on you know scoring the goal, but I thought he was really key in setting up their play and linking between their other midfielders and the forwards. Uh, he was really very technically adept, and I don't understand why the Revs didn't sign him, but they didn't, and they paid for it last night. Well, I think he's a similar player to Jose Cancelo. Maybe he, maybe a, uh, certainly a bigger pedigree than Cancelo had, and uh, maybe a little bit more skilled, but also older than him. But uh, as far as defensively, he doesn't do the defensive work. I guess that Steve Nichol likes to see in his players. That's true too. But I mean, you see what kind of you know, you see what kind of impact that he has on the the offensive side of the game. And you you know, with the way that the Revs play with the two defensive midfielders, I think they can have a a chance to take a player of that quality and throw him in on the side. Certainly the way Shawry uh, Joseph, Jeff Lorentowitz, and the defense have been playing. Uh, maybe didn't show it in last night's match or uh, in the match against Kansas City, but uh, they, they were, did have the best defense in the East even going into this game despite the uh, 4-3 loss against Kansas City uh, a couple weeks ago. So uh, I, I do see your point there that the Revs uh, maybe could take that risk. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you got to figure last night they were missing Parkhurst and... You know, you're bringing Avery John in, who hasn't had much time, despite him being a very good player normally. And, you know, they're going to be a little rusty. And you got Riley sliding into the middle, where he's only been here playing here part of this year when Parkhurst was out. So you're going to expect a little bit of a hiccup in the lineup. And uh, Steve Nichol wasn't uh, too happy with the result last night. Uh, he, he was happy with his team's enthusiasm and the way the work he's played. Uh, but we do have Steve Nichols' comment. And uh, as we mentioned, the goal that Noonan had called off, he was pretty upset about that as well. I think we were a wee bit naive um, when we're 3-2 up. Uh, the one thing that, that they were doing them the whole game was breaking on us. And I think at 3-2, you know, we really need to be able to see the game out. You know, part of the problem is enthusiasm, but you have to be smart as well. You know, I can't fault the enthusiasm and the commitment of the players at all. But I think we have to be a wee bit smarter and we have to be able to close the game. That's, that's really the big thing. You know, we coughed the ball up. The last two goals particularly, we coughed the ball up. Uh, unnecessarily, you know, the the one just before half time could have been stuck in Rosehead, and again the second one we get caught, a ball's cut out and we have nobody in the middle of the park, and again, you know, they've they've taken the chances real well. The three goals they they scored, the you know, the ball into the box and the finish are, are all are all real good finishes. We've kind of I feel as though we've kind of contributed quite a bit to our own our own downfall. I think the I think the handball they give against Pantnerin's a bit suspect. Goalkeeper ran into him, and the linesman, the linesman gives hand ball, and he's 40 yards away. But the play of Chrisman tonight, the two goals. Yeah, yeah, obviously a wee bit of fortune in the first one, but it's a great run, and deserved the goal. And the second one's a, you know, it's a great ball across from Pat, um, and a great finish. Again, that was our Revolution head coach, Steve Nichol, and his thoughts on the match. Uh, as you mentioned, Chrisman uh, had an excellent game with two goals there. 
uh, this second and third of the season. Uh, we talked earlier in the show uh, a couple a couple weeks ago about him needing to step up with Twelman's absence. I think he did that certainly last night. He could have even had a hat trick with some of the chances that you know he put on put on frame. Had a great save by Hesper as we mentioned, and the shot off the crossbar. Yeah, definitely. I don't think you can fault either him or Noonan for not stepping up. Uh, I thought he made a great heads up play on on the missed free kick or misplayed free kick by the Columbus team for the first goal. Thought he was really heads up on that. I thought he had the great diving header that just went over the bar or off the bar. So, I mean, I don't think you can blame him for not stepping up on that all. And we do have uh, comments from him as well that we can play now. Talking about goal production, you, I mean, you had three goals tonight between you and Pat. I mean, guys, the duo kind of worked really well, even with Taylor out. Yeah, I mean, you know, Pat's a good forward, and, and he makes, uh, you know, good players make it easy to play with. Um, so, you know, with with uh, Pat and I being able to kind of feed off each other a little bit better, it's a little fresher, and, and I think it worked out well. Yeah. Yeah. The header, if you didn't go and hit the crossbar, did you feel like it was well struck when you left? Yeah, I mean, I was just trying to do anything to, to flick it on. Uh, that actually got more of, off of my uh, thoracic vertebrae than my back of my head, but I was just trying to trying to make something happen, and it would have been nice if it went in. I got early in the second half. It seemed like it was started for the upper 90 where you tried that. That's for to say that. Yeah, I mean, he, he made a good save on it. Um, fortunately, it's a situation where keeper is in a in a good a good spot. You know, he's able to get his feet set and and, and make a make a save on it. But uh, I did I did what I could. Got it on frame. And I thought it was in a, a good spot. But uh, it made a great save. How was it tonight playing with all the players out? You know, from the Western. It was good. I mean, I think uh, I can't I can't think of one guy who didn't play well and fill in his role. Um, you know, they all did great, regardless of who's out there. We just need to be able to be disciplined. And again, that was uh, forward Adam Chrisman uh, and his thoughts on the match with the two goals last night for him. Uh, as we mentioned, they were talking about uh, Pat Noonan's goal actually came from a nice assist from Andy Dorman. Uh, Dorman, I thought, had a very excellent match in that game. Uh, is actually, we talked earlier a couple weeks ago about uh, Dorman's performances, uh, maybe n- not being involved as much as he was earlier in the season, but it kind of in the absence of Steve Ralston, and uh, he really stepped up and led the midfield offensively and had a very nice assist there on Pat Noonan's goal. And we do have the comments from uh, from Andy Dorman and his thoughts on the match. We put ourselves in a good spot going 3-1 up, and we should have killed the game off, really. They, they got the goal just before our time, which gives them them a big lift. And then, obviously, they came out the second half and, you know, used, used their momentum to, to go out as in the front. But, yeah, we should have held out and took the three points, really. Two points lost on our parts, you know, which we shouldn't be doing at home. Could you talk about the uh, play of Noonan and Chrisman stepping up in Twelman's absence? Yeah, definitely. They were both lively all night, making good runs, and obviously taking their chances. Um, so, yeah, they look like they had good partnership going. Yeah, the new guy for the crew is Barros Coloto. Could you talk about how he played tonight and the difference he made? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously he's really good on the ball, experienced player. And he did well for him tonight. Obviously got their key goal, the second goal, and with a good finish. But, yeah, we, we, we should have taken three points, really. And you got Toronto coming up next week, team that kind of turned around since you last played them. Yeah, definitely, for sure, yeah. You know, obviously starting out, it's going to be always going to be tough for them to get the, get, get the gel right and get the players right. But I think they, they seem to have settled down now and had some good good results in recent weeks. So we, we've got a tough task. Again, that was uh, Revolution midfielder Andy Dorman. His thoughts on last night's 3-3 draw with the Columbus crew, as well as on their upcoming match against Toronto FC. Uh, I should mention that earlier today, Toronto actually had a match which they won 4 to nothing over uh, FC Dallas. And certainly FC Dallas is no easy team to beat. Uh, they are missing a few players uh, with Kenny Cooper out injured. 
and Carlos Ruiz with the national team, but that's a big result for them. They're going to come in with a lot of confidence uh, next weekend. Yeah, anytime you can take off, take out the first team in the Western Conference, that handily is always going to be a boon to your team. I think you see Cunningham settling in well, his fifth goal of the year, so they're really going in the right direction, even with some of the guys out for the national team. And again, uh, Sean Donahue here with uh, Dave Ackman in the studio. Uh, Toronto is a team that we saw the Revs play earlier. I believe the Revs beat them 4 to nothing uh, earlier in the season. Uh, they've been playing completely differently since then. Yeah, definitely. I think they really turned their season around very very much. They, the couple of trades they made, a new philosophy, inserting some new players has really turned them around. They're, they're starting to play a lot more offensive, whereas before they seemed almost tentative to go forward, and it was, it was making them pay because they just had so much attacking power coming at them instead. It was interesting to see uh, some of the moves Mo Johnson's made since taking him over uh, Toronto FC. Brought in some... Uh, Players that maybe have questionable locker room attitudes, a guy like Edson Buttle who's been suspended for, uh, uh, you don't know exactly the reason, but uh, belief was maybe substance abuse. Uh, and he's gotten rid of all the players that uh, really are questionable like that. I guess Ronnie O'Brien, you could say, earlier in the season, uh, who uh, was missed several games for actually attempting to kick one of his teammates, I believe was the reason, uh, and, and hurting himself in the process. Uh, but he's a guy that doesn't seem to want to be taking a, you know, any trouble at all from his players. Yeah, definitely. He's always been known as kind of a hardline kind of guy, even when he was in New York and anywhere else. So, I mean, you got to expect he's going to come in. He's going to change the locker room if he sees anything going wrong. But possibly uh, the most surprising thing about their big win is they're missing several key players who are with the Canadian national team that had the 3-0 victory uh, earlier in the day. I mean, actually yesterday at Gillette Stadium. Uh, so a 4-1, a 4-0 victory for them against Dallas, missing several key players. Once they get them back, they're going to have a, a good team with lots of depth. Yeah, definitely. I don't think you can count them out at all. I think we said even a couple of weeks ago that they were looking like a team that wasn't going in the right direction, and I think this just further proves it. I think come the end of the year, they're going to be right there in the mix for the playoffs and maybe even a high a high seeding. It's actually wrong about uh, one thing. Carlos Ruiz actually did play in the match after having played yesterday. I guess he flew down uh, or flew up to Toronto in time to get there and came in as a halftime sub, so that's a little surprising to see him uh, get so many minutes and uh, get his usual yellow card as well. <laughs> uh, he definitely is def it's not what you can say I guess he was trying to help the team in that kind of a situation and I guess you gotta like that he showed the dedication to get there on time and uh, we're gonna take a quick break here and then we'll be back hopefully with uh, Revolution midfielder Wells Thompson for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. 
Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Sean Donahue here, joined in studio by David Ackman. Uh, now over the phone, we're joined by Revolution rookie midfielder Wells Thompson. Wells, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Thanks a lot for joining us today. No problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, last night, obviously, a disappointing result. You, uh, the team played real well, getting up with three one, 3-1 lead. Uh, was it a blow going into halftime, having them just scored uh, after after being up two goals? Um, yeah, you know, I'm not going to lie. I think it was definitely, you know, it was a little down going into halftime. But I think co- what Coach tried to do was just try to use it as a tool, you know, kick in the butt just to wake up a little bit. Um, I think we could have had way more than three goals in the first half. So, um yeah, I think Coach just tried to turn that around and help us um, try to try to use that to wake us up. Um, so, even, even yeah. in the second half, the team had their chances offensively with uh, both Christman and Newton having a, several chances. So, uh, kind of disappointing not to be up by you know two goals by the time the crew actually did get the tying goal. Yeah, um, I think so. I think um, you know, like I said, I think everyone was pretty disappointed with the result last night. Um, I think we played well um, for the most part, just several several lapses, you know, um, where, where they got their three goals to tie it up. But um, I thought Noon and Christman did real well up top. Um, I think we're unfortunate to have them won three goals. Um, it's just kind of a dis- dis- disappointing result overall. And with uh, Steve Rawlson out, how does that change your role for the team? How does that change my role? Yep. Uh, well, obviously, I got to start yesterday, so um, you know, I guess more, more, uh, you know, I'm not coming in off the bench. I guess yeah. I kind of want to fill his role and start. So um, there's a big loss missing him. He's a great player, but um, you know, I was excited to play yesterday and uh, hope I can continue to help out any way possible. Did you feel the team uh, was was able to get together in time? I mean, was it was ready for this game having the two weeks off, or did uh, would the team rather have had a game last week? Um, no, I think it was. I think the team was ready to play. Um, I think it's always good to get a couple days rest. Um, some guys got to go home and and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, practice this week was everyone was up, everyone was excited to play and um, and playing hard and competing. So. Yeah, I think we were, I think we were well, well prepared for the game. Just uh, the result didn't come for us. So. Hey, Wells, it's David Ackman. Um, I know I've been hearing that uh, the field had been in kind of bad shape after the bunch of games this past week. Was it in, a, in any better shape, or did you guys have any toughness with it? Um, I did a little bit. I had, I kept slipping. Um, I think the, I don't think, I've, I heard a couple people, you know, comment about the field and how they weren't happy with it. Um, I'd rather play on that than turf for sure, um, any day. But um, you know, I had a I had a tough time getting my footing. Um, found myself slipping, slipping a bunch. So. And you got drafted out of Wake Forest. Uh, it seems like several rounds over the past couple of years have been drafted out of there. Do you have any idea what makes that school, you know, such a favorite of the Revolution coaching staff, and you know what they instill in the players that uh, the Revs coaching staff like so much? Um, yeah, I think so. Well, Jay Vidovich, head coach there, and uh, Bobby Muse, the assistant, when I was there, um, they just run, I think they run a, a real professional program. Um, I think they try to um, make it as professional as possible, you know. Um, it's, I think it's more, more than just about playing soccer. It's about, um, it's about character, building character and stuff like that. So um, I just think they do a great job of running a good program there. Um, I think that the style that Wake Forest plays is real in tune with the style that 
um, that Coach Steve Nickel tries to play, um, the attacking-minded style. Um, I think so. And obviously he's had success with James Riley and Mike Parker's coming out of there. So um, I think he's just, you know, I don't know. When I got when he drafted me, he couldn't say enough about Wake Soccer. So I think there's just something there in uh, Nickel and Mariner that they really like Wake Wake Soccer. So. So what made you decide to go to Wake Forest? Um, actually, I'm from Winston Salem, where Wake Forest is, and um, I wanted to go far away from home for college, but I guess it didn't work out that way. Um, I went there because it was best best. Um, best choice for me, you know, both academically and soccer-wise, so it's a great school academically, and couldn't say enough about the program, they've had great success, so. Did you have any idea entering uh, the Super Draft that the Revs were interested in you? Um, yeah, I'd heard a little bit. Um, I didn't know the extent that they were interested in me, and I didn't know, you know, obviously that they would trade up for me or pick me for their first choice, but um, you know, I'd heard, I'd heard that uh, they liked me. They weren't even gonna go to the to the Super Draft in Indianapolis, but um, my coaches there at Wake told me that they heard some good things. So uh, me and my family actually last minute bought bought um, bought tickets up. Uh, I guess you showed off uh, all the uh, proudness that they had in drafting you with uh, that first goal. How did that feel when you got that one? Um, it's kind of unexpected to tell you the truth. Um, I just I really didn't know how to feel. I was just I was surprised. Um, I think that can be kind of a kind of a um, a block in in um, in some people's careers, especially in the beginning of their career. So I was glad to get that out of the way, get that first goal out of the way. Um, and hopefully, there are many more to come. But I was just ecstatic, you know. Um, I didn't really know how to react or didn't really sink in right away. I guess. Did you have any difficulty adjusting to living up in New England after uh, living in North Carolina? How has it been adjusting? Yeah. Um, easier now that the weather's warmer, but, uh, when I first got up here, it was pretty cold. Um, but, um, it's definitely different, um, being, I guess, living near a big city. But, um, I'm liking it, to tell you the truth, I really am. I'm enjoying it. Do you think it helps having, uh, several people you knew from down at Wake Forest on the team? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Ryan Siler was, like, right down the street from me, and, you know, we've been, we've been real good friends, best friends at Wake, so, uh, it was, uh, I was really ecstatic. When he, when I saw his name, got picked by uh, the Revolution stuff, and Parky and James played with them for two years, so it's always great. I think it helps, you know, um, to get acclimated up here. It's really helped out a lot better. Did you ever expect to go on the fifth round and be the highest drafted player uh, ever out of Wake Forest history as for, for soccer? Honestly, <laughs> um, no, I didn't. I had no idea. Um, I, I guess. I feel like I've always kind of flown under the radar. Um, I, w- I really wasn't recruited that highly out of out of high school either, and um, I really wasn't sure what the scout was um, going into the draft. So um, I just feel fortunate and blessed to be you know to be taken at all. Um, but I honestly I had no idea. What's been your best memory so far of uh, your soccer career? My best memory of my soccer career, I'd probably say hearing my name called out at Super Draft. Yeah, that must have been really exciting for you. <laughs> yeah, it was. So. Uh, and the team this year, obviously, uh, a big core of players from uh, last year, most of the starters uh, coming back. Uh, did that make it at all kind of intimidating for you, trying to break into the getting playing time for a team that's been so well-established? Um, you know, I think I was real fortunate to come in 
Um, I think because, you know, I think they needed an outside midfielder or another one anyway. They didn't struggle in finding a permanent guy on the outside. Um, and uh, Steve Nichol and them stressed that they wanted to get me in and get some playing time in right away. So, um, I mean, I just try to come in, you know, from day one and just work hard and um, and give it my all and hopefully, you know, leave all the other um, other decisions up to the coaches. And playing uh, with Steve Rawson, uh, the guy who's one assist away from the all-time MLS assist record and plays basically your same position, has he uh, helped you at all and taught you anything? Um, yeah, yeah. He's definitely taught me a lot. Um, you know, he just tries, you know, practice and stuff, tries to give me tidbits, you know, if I mess up or, um, you know, do something wrong here and there. But coaches are always, they stress me to, when I'm sitting on the bench or when I'm in practice, just to watch, watch Steve Rawson, continually just watch Steve Rawson. Um, I mean, it's an honor to play with a guy, um, like Steve and to learn under him. So I just feel fortunate again just to, to be able to do that, but um, no, he's been great. Um, just, just great role model to uh, follow out there. So, are are you? This is. Uh, have you played at the left at all at Wake Forest, or is that something that, or mostly at the right? Or what position did you usually play uh, in college? Um, I played left midfield mostly. Um, but I mean, I'm comfortable playing either side. I think I played. I like the left so much because I could cut in and, and uh, shoot shoot with my right foot. Um, but, you know, I don't really in position as long as I'm playing. And growing up, did you play other sports, or was uh, soccer always your number one? No, I played, I played pretty much everything. I played basketball, baseball, hockey, lacrosse. So what made um, soccer stick? I think I was just better at it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, when you get older, you got to kind of cut out some of the other activities. So it always ended up, um, soccer was always a priority. And uh, with the Revs' history of first-round draft picks, guys like Parkhurst, uh, Twelman, Noonan, uh, even even Dempsey, does that uh, did that at all put any pressure on you? Oh, it's funny that we were sitting at the Super Draft, and uh, I guess it was like the fourth pick or the pick before the Revolution. And they showed the um, the first-round picks the past five years, and I looked up at the screen, and my dad was like, "Holy cow!" <laughs> um, so, and then I heard my name, and um, but anyway. Does it put pressure on me? I just try not to think about it. I mean, um, I hope I can live up to the hype, and um, you know that all the what, what all the other first round draft picks have lived up to. But um, yeah, I just try not to think about it. I just try to show up and play hard, and I uh, think things will take care of themselves. So, how was it playing in front of the crowd yesterday after the triple header? Was it a little intimidating, or was it something you were used to? Um, it wasn't. I guess I I wasn't used to it. Um, I don't know. I don't think it was intimidating. I was nervous, but uh, I don't know. I just uh, tried to settle in quickly. Um, I don't know. I think the more that I play, the more comfortable I feel. Yeah. And uh, earlier in the season, you guys played uh, Toronto FC at home and uh, had a blowout victory, but uh, they've really turned things around since then. Uh, you got them coming up next week on Saturday. What do you expect from them, and uh, what, what does the team need to do to get a win? Um, you know, I expect, I mean, I think any game in the league is tough. Um, you got to be prepared. I think anybody can beat anybody at any given day. Um, I just think we have to have a good week of practice, you know, keep our, keep, keep focused. I don't, I don't really think we have to be too worried. I think, uh, you know, if we just keep, keep banging away and keep working hard and working on our mistakes and, um, 
and everything I got, it will be fine. So I just think we have to stay focused and kind of, you know, you know, keep motivated. And the team made it to the uh, Cup final the past two years, the MLS Cup final. Uh, do you think they have what it takes to get back there this year? Do I think we do? Yep. Yeah, I think we do. <laughs> well, thanks a lot for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. Uh, that was uh, Wells Thompson again, uh, the Revolution rookie midfielder who uh, got the start last night and uh, played very well for the team and he got, got his first goal a couple of weeks ago as well. Uh, had been had been a great rookie campaign for him so far. Uh, most of his time coming off the bench for Steve Ralston, but uh, certainly not a bad position to be in have, having playing with uh, a guy like Steve Ralston. No, definitely, and he adds a lot of versatility, as you said, as he said earlier. He can fill in on the left wing, so I mean, with Kano Smith, I mean even filling in behind him it's giving him a great bit of depth and he brings a little bit of a difference a little unpredictability to the lineup sort of like what Dempsey could bring to them last year and having someone like that really makes you a lot more dangerous as a team especially with all the call-ups and as you mentioned Kano Smith uh, he's, he'll see some call-ups from Bermuda and uh, Ralston I'm certainly probably will, will maybe see some more call-ups for the U.S. Uh, so he'll, he'll certainly be getting more time yeah definitely I think with the competition between him and Byrne will also help them both I think in the long run and uh, we are going to take another quick break here. Again, it's Sean Donahue uh, joined with Dave Ackman, and then we'll be hopefully joined over the phone by uh, Mark Connolly, writer for ESPN SoccerNet and uh, MLSNet.com. for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Uh, joined in the studio again by Dave Ackman. And uh, now over the phone, we have Mark Connolly, writer for uh, MLSNet and uh, ESPN SoccerNet. Mark, can you hear me? Yes, I can. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, first of all, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, your writing can be found pretty much anywhere these days. Uh, what, what are the main places you're writing for, and uh, uh, what can people expect uh, in the upcoming weeks from your articles? Uh, actually, I have a couple pieces coming up for USSoccerPlayers.com, um, but I'm actually making a move to Goal.com uh, to work with Greg Wallace on that site and to try to bolster up their coverage of MLS, and U.S. national team, and uh, kind of all things U.S. soccer related. And uh, we were talking about the Revs earlier in the show. Uh, what have you seen from them so far this year, and is, is this a team that uh, can make it back to MLS Cup and maybe finally win one? I don't see any reason why they can't. Uh, they have the players, they have the experience, uh, they have a great coaching staff. Um, and I think one thing that sometimes gets overlooked with this team is they have a very steady presence in the goal, and Matt Reese, 
Uh, I think a lot of people sometimes start taking him for granted because he's now had two or three seasons there where uh, he never misses a game. Uh, he's always in form, it seems. Uh, I think that's a big part of it. Uh, so I also like their spine up the middle. Uh, when you look at Michael Parkhurst, Shari Joseph, Andy Dorman, um, and then the forwards, you know, it's a good crew. And uh, though they lost Clint Dempsey, they haven't lost a lot uh, from this group as far as the continuity. It's still the same old uh, players uh, getting it done. It's Foreman scoring goals. It's Steve Ralston providing a lot of serves. Um, it's Parkhurst and Heaps in the back. And then Matt Reese directing it all. So uh, I think as long as guys like Pat Noonan can stay healthy, um, as long as uh, when they don't have 12 in, um, they find other goal scorers, which they showed the other night with Adam Chrisman, I mean, they think they're going to be fine. Who do you think are some of the uh, biggest teams to watch out for this year as far as uh, championship contenders? Well, it's still really tough right now because just when you want to anoint one team, um, you know, top of the table status or, you know, really start looking at them, they seem to uh, then have a letdown game. Uh, New York Red Bulls being the latest, um, you know, but I think right now the East Conference is so much stronger. Um, I think that when it's said and done, um, when all the players are back, and, and I'm including some signings that could happen during the transfer window and some trades, so I'm basing this on the aggressiveness of some of the clubs, um, I think the Red Bulls will come out of the East. Uh, and then I think in the West it will end up being uh, Houston Dynamo. And uh, speaking of some trades, uh, it's only just over a month now until David Beckham arrives for the Galaxy. Is he going to be a man that's going to make a, a difference for that team, you think? Well, the way he's been playing for Real Madrid right now, he, he's... If you look back over the last month or so, um, he's kind of reestablished himself as one of the best players in the world, and I'm talking one of the top ten best players in the world. And you're having a guy completely in form at the top of his game coming into the galaxy. Um, so I think that's going to make a huge difference. Um, when he's making a huge difference with his Real Madrid team, I just can't imagine what it's going to be like for the galaxy. Uh, I think it couldn't come any sooner. The galaxy have had a horrible year and it hasn't helped not having Landon Donovan as of late um, I think it's also going to be tougher than enough to have Tyrone Marshall who's been kind of the uh, heart and soul of this team for a while uh, anybody that's been inside the Galaxy locker room over the years knows what a presence he is one of the more vocal players uh, one of the more well-liked players in that locker room uh, him being traded recently uh, to Toronto I think is going to uh, take some adjusting to in that locker room um, but I think that Beckham uh, will make a huge difference, uh, and I think that uh, we will see the Galaxy in the playoffs, but I really don't think we'll, that's going to be a team that you know we're going to see winning MLS Cup or anything. Well, uh, Edson Bottle, you mentioned the uh, Tyler Marshall trade. Uh, he was the uh, one that went to the Galaxy's way. Uh, we're making his first start tonight. Uh, is he going to be a guy who benefits from uh, Beckham's service? You know, he should be, uh, but at the same time, Edson Bottle probably should have scored a lot more goals than he has in his last couple of years. Um, any coach that has had him says bad things about him. Yep. Um, if you speak to them, sometimes you may not get a quote, but they'll roll their eyes. Uh, that's not a good thing when you're a young player and, and people that have coached you um, think that way about you. So, uh, And I can see that in his game. He's very hot and cold. Uh, when he's on, he's a very good player. When he's not on, he might as well not be on the field because he gets nothing accomplished. Uh, I don't know if that's the type of player to bring in um, when you're struggling um, because he may just 
become just a, a, one, another player that's not producing. And there's a lot of them on the, ga- on the Galaxy. So uh, I don't know if I agree with that trade. Do you think they'll be making another big-name signing? Uh, Lawless talked about wanting to bring in uh, Louis Figo. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. Uh, but uh, there's recent rumors that they ha- have possibly already signed uh, Carlos Pavone. They have uh, worked the phones. They have talked to agents. I mean, Alexi definitely uh, does the work, and he has tried every possible angle. They really tried hard to get it done. Um, Pavone would be a very nice addition to them. Uh, then you kind of wonder why they made the bottle trade, because then you're going to have bottle, you're going to have Jaqua, you're going to have Pavone. Um, you know, this Santino Caranta, uh, I don't know what Kyle Martino will end up playing. I mean, it's a very, you know, if you start stock, stock piling forwards and uh, in, in high high uh, salary forwards, I don't know where that's going to get you at times. But um, I think Pavone, any type of team that he would join in MLS would, would probably uh, have a very good impact and could be the type of... Uh, that scores goals in the way Carlos Ruiz did when he came into this league, or, um, you know, an even better example, uh, Juan Pablo Anhalt, who's been really just an unbelievable signing for the Red Bull. Kind of to change gears a little bit, uh, the Gold Cup obviously going on uh, now with uh, the game last night in the U.S. Uh, with the 2-1 to victory over Panama. Uh, is, is this U.S. team... Uh, ready to go on to the higher round to face a team like Canada who came up with a convincing 3 nothing win and uh, maybe in the future either a team like Mexico or Honduras? Yeah, I think the U.S. has had a fairly easy draw. Um, you know, the fact that they're going into the semi and facing Canada I think is uh, very fortunate. I mean, if they're facing a Honduras right now or a Mexico, I think that would be a much difficult, more difficult opponent. Um, you know, they getting Panama in the quarterfinals was unlucky for them, but, you know, the fact that they got through that game, a team that had a lot of momentum behind it, um, and who was basically playing in this Gold Cup as though it's the World Cup for them, um, that wasn't an easy quarterfinal opponent, but the fact that they get Canada um, in the semis, I think, is is very, very fortunate for this group, Um, and I think that uh, Canada had to fight tooth and nail to get where they are. The U.S. has been able to rest players, try different combinations, and now get a little bit of rest, I think, the U.S. will have an easier time with Canada than they did with uh, Panama. Kind of two question spots for the U.S. are maybe a little bit right wing. We saw Dempsey play in the past, but it seems like Donovan's kind of been playing that position for uh, the U.S. when uh, Ralston hasn't played. Uh, and the other spot is up top where we've seen Dempsey moving up there. Uh, maybe not necessarily his best, depend- best position, depending on who you ask. Uh, and then the other forwards are Brian Ching, Eddie Johnson, uh, Taylor Twelman, or Landon Donovan at sometimes. Uh, it seems like none of those three... Uh, Johnson, Twaman, or Ching have really been consistent scorers for the U.S. national team uh, and in recent times. Is, who, who do you see as maybe the uh, the future for the U.S. national team spot as forward? It's such a difficult question because um, you're right. There's a lot of guys that are grouped in that same mix. Um, you know, it's funny. People always want to point out about Twaman, but yet it seems as though it seems as though he scores every time he gets a minutes with the national team or he, he gets a big assist like he did against Trinidad Tobago. Um, or, I'm sorry, against Guatemala in that first game. So, you know, I think Twelman is going to be a guy that's always going to get looks. Um, I think the world, Brian Shang, I think he's somebody that, especially when he plays with Landon Donovan, uh, who they had a great partnership with the San Jose Earthquakes years ago, I think that's a good... Uh, partnership. Um, I think down the line, Josie Altidore is going to be an excellent forward up top for them. Um, I agree with you. I think Dempsey's best position is either as a, as a right-sided midfielder or um, in the way Stevie Nichol played him at times where 
You know, he was kind of a midfielder that could play two ways and didn't have a lot of responsibilities. You know, Shalry was kind of holding. You know, you either had Pepe Kinsella, um, you know, or, or, you know, sometimes an Andy Dorman or whatever, uh, you know, filling in gaps, and then Dempsey could kind of pick a spot. So I think he was very good in that free role. Uh, I think so much of Dempsey's talent is, is his athleticism and, and the fact that he can defend a little bit. He's very good in the counter. I think some of his talents are wasted as a forward, so I don't know if that's just a temporary thing or not. Um, and who knows? I mean, if he plays up top for Fulham and keeps scoring goals, then it would be crazy for him to, to move back to midfield when he's with the national team. But, um, you know, it's every single four-year cycle, it's the same questions. I mean, for years you had Brian McBride. He was the one constant. But for years, everybody was trying to find a partner for him. And, you know, you had your Josh Wolfs and your Connor Casey's and Eddie Johnson uh, near the end who, who tried to fill in. But there was never one guy who was always with him. And um, I think you're always going to have Donovan in the mix, and you're always going to have Dempsey, and you're always going to have Beasley as attackers. And then it's just kind of finding that other guy to, to, to link in with them as an attacker. And, um I don't know. I don't think it's something to worry about. There's a lot of other good players out there that weren't even in this Gold Cup mix. Uh, you can mention uh, Kenny Cooper, for one, who unfortunately is going to be out for some time, but I think in qualifying he's going to be somebody to look at. I was actually discussing with Dave before the show about uh, Dempsey's best position. Uh, we both kind of agreed that uh, his best times with the Revs actually came uh, when he was playing next to Shari Joseph and making those late runs. I think he actually had his best scoring streak during that period, too, when uh, he was coming forward maybe unmarked from a deep position and unexpected into the box. That's a very good point. And, and Dempsey is somebody that um, you know reads the game very well like that. And, you know, when in the run of play, I mean, he... You know, he makes up a lot of ground in a hurry. I mean, you'd never, you'd never call him a speedster, um, but yet, in the way you would, you know, if they're all live, the whole national team was lining up in the end line and running, you know, you'd, you'd probably look at guys like Jonathan Bornstein, you know, Frankie Haydock, uh, Beasley, Donovan, they would be the fastest ones, but as far as actual game speed, uh, Dempsey's definitely right there, so, uh, I agree with you. I, I, I'd love to see a formation where he is able to kind of, um, maybe in a, in a triangle in the midfield where he's kind of the off guy that can kind of pick and choose his spots. I think that would be something uh, worth looking at. Uh, speaking of Frankie Hayduk, uh, do you think uh, you'll see him in the next round playing right back, or do you think they'll try maybe going back to someone like a Spectre? You know, I love Frankie Hayduk. I, th- I think he's somebody that um, I think sometimes in the past, uh, you know, people will watch him on TV and, you know, have a couple of bad services. And then people will make a lot of that, but they're kind of missing the point. They're missing about his man marking, about the way he covers. He's so smart. You may beat him once, but you're going to have to beat him three times to be able to get in a serve. Um, and in these big competitions, when trophies are on the line, you want guys you know, who are gamers, who are going to fight for you. Uh, and if it means kicking a guy, then so be it. And that is definitely Frankie Hadick. Uh, and Bob knows that, and um, he's somebody that inspires his teammates. Um, I think if, if 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 Bob trots him out there in the semifinal or even down the road in the final, um, I think the U.S. would be in, in pretty good hands with him out there. And, and you mentioned Kenny Cooper earlier uh, being out injured. Uh, he's a guy that a lot of people expected to maybe make the uh, Copa America roster. Uh, what, what kind of changes do you see between this Gold Cup roster and the Copa America roster? Are there going to be many holdovers, or uh, is it going to be really a completely different team? No, I think you're going to see a lot of holdovers. I think you know, I think we're going to see more than people realize. Um, you know, maybe 11 or 12. Um, you know, some of these European-based guys, um, 
you know, I, I think that unless the U.S. was to make a, a crazy run to the final, they're not missing that much of the preseason. Um, and even if so, uh, many of these guys have a good standing in their team, and uh, the coaches know that, you know, hey, they're getting good training. Uh, they're in a very good competition. So it's not as if they're off having a vacation or anything. I mean, they're down playing Argentina. Um, so I think that we're going to see more players uh, moving on to that tournament than than not. And I think the ones that Bradley will bring in that weren't on this roster are guys that have been in the mix before. I don't think we're going to be seeing any crazy names out of the blue, um, you know, guys that have just kind of recently played well in MLS. I think you're going to see guys that have been in national team camps before and that have caps. And kind of to change gears uh, one more time before we let you go, uh, we talked about uh, we're talking about MLS and uh, David Beckham signing a while back. The big news obviously was Freddie Adu and uh, his youth, and he got traded to Real Salt Lake earlier this year. It seemed like uh, that was where he wanted to go as far as playing in the position that he uh, enjoyed. Today he's making his first time. He's not starting for a Salt Lake. He's actually on the bench. Just what the uh, Salt Lake lineup released. Uh, what do you expect out of Freddie Adu in the upcoming years? Is uh, is he ever going to develop into the player that uh, he was hyped up as when he originally joined the league? Well, depending on whose hype it was, you know that may be impossible. Um, the thing that I always tell people, and you know, as a as a youth coach and as a college coach, uh, just being around those circles and being in, you know, today I'm actually was my my, my U16 boys team were in the state final up in Mass against the Greater Boston Bolts, and um, you know, all weekend I've been recruiting up there and. Um, you know, so I'm around those fields a lot. I've seen most of these players in MLS now. I saw play at the youth level with their club teams. Um, so I always say this: if I just showed up today at a U17 game and Freddie Adu is out there playing, all of us in attendance would be in awe, and we would not shut up about the guy. Um, it's just the fact that he's 17, and that everybody's seen him and heard about it for a long time. That it's not a big deal anymore. Um, so in a way, that kind of hurts him. But I mean. If, if he, his name was not Freddie Adu and he had never moved on and he just showed up one day playing for one of these youth teams, all of a sudden, you know, people would be making a big deal about it. And I think that's important to show that, you know, he, for his age, he is still extraordinary. The things that he can do, um, the pace that he has, you know, and his, um, just his ability overall. So, yeah, he is a huge prospect. Um, he may not be Lionel Messi. And at 19 and 20, be able to, you know, play in the Champions League and, and World Cups and all that. But, you know, I think by the time this kid is 23, 24, he's going to be a 10-year veteran of professional soccer. Um, and he's going to be a guy you're going to want in your team. So, uh, no, I, I think that anything that any of us have written over the years, the fact that he's 17 and as good as he is, is still an unbelievable, um, uh, unbelievable big deal, and, and it should be. Well, first of all, uh, congratulations on uh, making it to the state final. Thank you very much. And uh, I'd like to thank you again for joining us. We do have uh, some post-game comments from Bob Bradley and uh, Landon Dom that we have to play. Uh, but uh, thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks, Sean. Anytime. And that was uh, Mark Connolly, as you mentioned, now going to be writing for uh, Gold.com and uh, some p pieces coming up for USsoccerplayers.com. Uh, we talked about the game last night. Uh, the U.S. 2-1 victory over Panama. Uh, Bob Bradley certainly wasn't wasn't happy with the team's finishing that they couldn't have put the game away earlier. Uh, that they couldn't even even in the second half they had some chances to make it a uh, three to nothing before uh, before Panama's goal. Uh, but we do have his comments and we can play those now. Uh, it's a good win for us. Um, going into the match, we really felt that Panama had a, a excellent team, had played very well in their group play. 
and they're a, a hard team to play against. So, again, we, we were pleased with uh, our play. We had good chances in the first half. We were disappointed not to uh, be up at halftime, but I think the mentality was just keep keep going, not lose uh, sight of what we were doing well. Chances would continue to come and not lose our discipline and our concentration. And I felt we did that pretty well. We, we, we probably let ourselves down when we had a couple chances to go ahead 3-0, didn't finish the game in that regard, and then they score and, and make the last few minutes crazy. And that's something that we, that we will talk about. Dempsey made a key play that really gets set up that first goal. Yes, I thought Clint had a good game. I think he found good spots. Uh, in a game like that, with with the uh, the strength of both of their center backs, Taylor and, and Clint had important jobs because we needed to be able to find them in good spots. They needed to be able to hold the ball, draw fouls. So I think we won the ball in the midfield, and it, and it went to Clint, and he was able to uh, take a little bit of a turn and play a great ball. And, and uh, again, I thought he had a very good match. He's capable of making the kind of plays that that determine the game. Okay, this, this was the first. Uh, this is the first tournament for some of your players. Can you just talk about how some of them responded today? I, I think our our young guys compete pretty well. They've been in some some good games throughout this year, and and now there's good leadership. I keep talking about the number of guys that that I think are are doing a really good job setting the right example. You know, on the field today, I think we had a good blend in that regard, and and I think that was important. And so we knew going into this game that Panama was a hard team to play against. Uh, we certainly knew that, that the center of the field is where things would sort of get put on the line and that our ability in that part of the field to, to compete and not give anything away would be very important. And, you know, I felt good about the way we were able to do that. And, again, I think uh, the more these guys are in games like this, it's the reason we're going to Copa America um, because these opportunities to keep putting um, our younger players in tough situations, I think, is is, is very, very important. Uh, Bob, can you analyze Canada a little bit on that? Sure. They played very well today. I think that they have a couple of very, very important players. So in the center of the field, Atiba uh, Hutchinson and, and Julian de Guzman are both very, very good players. A lot goes through those two. And certainly we all are very, very aware of Dwayne De Rosario and, and the way he plays. Uh, I thought they were organized today. I, I think they know their strengths, so we expect a, a good, difficult match in the semifinal. And that was U.S. head coach Bob Bradley. Uh, Sean Donahue here joined in the studio by Dave Ackman. Uh, Landon Donovan got the first goal for the U.S. off a penalty kick. Uh, we do have his comments. He was talked a little bit about uh, he actually became the U.S. all-time leading scorer in the Gold Cup, and he also talked a little bit about his uh, penalty kick routine, his long uh, play up there, and we have his comments now. It's not as easy as Mexico and the U.S. are going to play in the final. Like People think these games are difficult, and as we've seen even a team like Canada running away with a game today, these are difficult games, and now, especially in this stage, it's one game against another team, and things happen. Anything can happen, so it's not a shoe-in that, that we're going to be there, but we're, we think we're on the right way. Coach the ball for penalty kick. You squatted down. You seemed to spend a lot of time just thinking. What was going through your mind there? Just to calm down because it's, it's an exciting moment, and I think too often I get excited. So um, I like to calm myself down and think of it like you're in your backyard against your brother and not with you know 30,000 people. And What does it mean to you to be the leading U.S. Score, goal scorer in Gold Cup competition now that you broke the tie with? I don't want to downplay it because it's obviously it's – something that's cool and something I um, respectful of but 
in the context of what's going on, it, it pales in comparison to, to winning and advancing right now. However, when it's all said and done, it's something I'm proud of, very proud of. Again, that was uh, U.S. forward Landon Donovan and uh, talking about last night's game and his record and uh, his penalty kick routine. Uh, Michael Parkhurst, Revolution defender, we mentioned was away with the Gold Cup. He saw a start in um, the game against Trinidad and Tobago, and he started the next game, too, against El Salvador and both shutout wins. Uh, we have his comments on his experience for the national team. Might not be able to hear it out there in the stands, but you know, between the two of us, we were you know talking things out, you know, just little things, you know, who's marking who, when to play off sides, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just little things, you know, throughout the game that you know helped me out a lot. Having the block of three in front of you guys, the way you were set up, I mean, did that really just help bottle things up? I and mean, was that easier for you guys because of the setup? A little bit at first, defensively, you know, offensively, we kind of struggled with the three and the three. You know, I think that's why we switched to the four-four-two later on, later in the first half. But that block, you know, having Pablo right there in front of you, he makes life easy for you. Um, you know, similar to Shawray, you know, you can't put a price tag on those guys. You know, it's going to be it's going to be comforting to be back here. You know, and playing here with just a different jersey on. I mean, did that help in any way with your comfort level tonight? Absolutely. I mean, you know, just friendly confines. And, you know, a stadium you're used to, the locker room. You know, just a pregame procedure. You know, everything you're used to a little bit, and uh, that helps out a little bit. You know, the fans are great. Um, it's awesome to play in front of them. So they make you a little relaxed as well. A lot of times you talk about communication in the, in the back when you play with the Reds. Same thing with the, the U.S. team, a lot of talk. Absolutely. Just because, you know, especially with me, I haven't played with uh, some of these guys. You know, Gucci was my first time playing with. And uh, same thing with Bornstein. So you really have to talk things out out there just to make sure we're all on the same page and, and moving as a unit. Two games for the U.S. team. Now, how does that compare with playing regular role for the, for the Revolution? The international game is always a little faster. Um, you have to be on your toes you know, for a full 90 minutes. You know, there's no there's no breaks at all. Where MLS, I mean, you, you get a little bit more time on the ball and a little more time to relax. You know, everything's just a little, you know, a couple seconds faster. Again, that was a revolution in U.S. national team defender Michael Parkerson on his time uh, with the U.S. national team. Uh, we do have to wrap things up here, but before we do, uh, we'll go back, mention the other scores of the quarterfinal matches. You mentioned the U.S. won 2 1, Canada won 3 to nothing. Mexico won earlier today, uh, one to nothing. Uh, actually, had to go into extra time despite playing uh, man up for the entire second half and a good chunk of the first half. Uh, Costa Rica actually saw three red cards in that match before the game was done, uh, but they did come away with the win, so they'll be advancing to the semifinals. Uh, right now, Guadalupe and Honduras are in the 90th minute in stoppage time. Guadalupe is up two to one over Honduras, so that would be a kind of a surprise upset there. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if they can advance. Uh, will be the U.S. and Canada playing on Thursday, as well as the winner of this game against Mexico uh, at Chicago at Soldier Field. Uh, I'm wrapping things up here. We will be here next week at 7 to 8 p.m. Uh, I'd like to thank my father for helping me out with uh, this show, and I'd like to wish Happy Father's Day to him and all the other fathers out there. And we'll be back next week. And if, Dave, you have something to say to your father, then go right ahead. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just a happy uh, Father's Day to everyone out there, and uh, hopefully this will be a, a good week for everyone in the lead-up to the game against Toronto. years of service to the Blackstone Valley, this is 1380 WNRI Woonsocket.